Hi, everyone. It's Karen Chong, and I'm here with my co-host, Dennis Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Mastering Your World Through Frequencies, where every week we explore how frequencies shape our world and begin to release the patterns that keep us stuck so we can realize our greatest potential. We spend a lot of our formative years establishing our identity, building up a sense of who we are and also who we are not. Often, when our sense of identity is established, it seems fixed to us, and we will defend and stake behind that identity because we believe that is who we really are. Today, we're going to be talking about our sense of identity from spirit perspective, what to watch out for, and how it changes as we awaken. After the discussion, we're going to wrap it up with a group frequency calibration to help to begin to clear the distortion patterns around this topic. So let's get started. Dennis? So Karen, what, what challenges do you find with identity? Oh, okay. Um, wow. So that's a big question. Identity is something that is a challenge for most people, not because of anything other than they believe that it's real and that they uh, really want to stake behind it and they want to defend it and it becomes solid to them. So not only are their identities what they believe to be real, but they also start to put identities on other people. So they believe that these people, whoever it is in their lives, are this way. And it's not necessarily true. Um, that they are only that way. I'm not saying they're never that way, but usually people are more than just the way we perceive them. They're also more than. So similarly with ourselves, we perceive ourselves a certain way, but if you ask other people, what do you feel or what's your perception about so-and-so, they might have a very different perception of you than you have of yourself. So it's interesting to ask that question of others because their viewpoint is not yours. So that begs the question, well, which one is, is more accurate? Right? So identity really is a way of our minds keeping us very separate from surrender, really, because we want to control things and it's safe and it's certain. And if we know what our identity is, then everything becomes really stable. Mm-hmm. Right? And therefore, a lot of people who have a lot of fear will very much lock down on their mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the way I am in the world. And they get very threatened if there's any questioning with regards to the way that they are. And they get triggered very often by other people because they are this way and these other people should be that way. And why are they not doing this properly and all this sort of thing, right? Because there's a control aspect to that of the way things should be as opposed to, because your identity is staked behind that, as opposed to a fluidity or an allowing of, well, what am I right now, as opposed to what was I in the past? A lot of times our identity is based on what our memory of a story that we have entrenched from a past experience or past series of experiences. And so if something, someone or some event or something Uh would start to challenge my identity, I, I could get very concerned. And, <laughs> or and, angry. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then that's that fear, uh-huh. you know, that fear like, oh my, yeah. you know, I'm being challenged. Yeah. So now I either have to stand up and yeah. try to defend myself, yeah. or I have to, ooh, I'm, I'm not going to change my belief system, am I? Right. 
I mean, no, I've had this for years. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is how things operate. Yeah. And now all of a sudden there's an outside influence saying, well, just a minute. Yeah. Think about this. Yeah. Experience this. Exactly. And it's funny because that thing that we're defending so hard, it's like you said defend myself. Is it yourself or is it a mental construct of yourself or just how you think things should be? You know, the other thing I was just, you know, wondering is as we go through the aging process, do we pour a little more cement around that identity and it gets a little bit firmer and maybe kind of our world might start to kind of get a little bit smaller because of those fears and I'm going to get out less, I'm going to travel less, I don't know for sure who I can trust. Yes, I would say it's the aging process, but not always. Some people as they get older become more open because they realize like all that was kind of a crock of BS, you know, you're just like, well, does that even matter? Do I really care what people think about me? Does it really, like, I, if I want to dye my hair pink, well, then I'm gonna, you know what I mean? Like I've seen ladies who are in their seventies yeah, yeah, who, who do that. They're just like, wait a minute. I've waited my, I've, I've done the right thing and been this correct woman, like, you know, whatever, the appropriate woman for so long. And does it really matter, right? So this identity they had of themselves being in this a very, you know, narrow spectrum was appropriate, successful, whatever, has now shattered because they're at the point where they just don't care. They're like, yeah. well, I'm probably going to die in a few years. Let's just live life, right? It's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. So it can kind of go either way. I also noticed with children, so to your point, yeah. it does. So generally speaking, yes, that process of identity tends to entrench more and more as we age, for sure. Yeah. I've also noticed that um, a lot of times when Um, especially with mothers, because mothers have, I'm not saying fathers don't have influence on their children, of course not, but when the mom has a lot of fear, right, the, the, the children pick that up really quickly and their identities, I've noticed, will establish much faster because it's a, it's defense position. Mm -hmm. You need to be this way because it makes you safe, right? So if, if, if everything's controlled and safe around you, right, and known, and you are this way and the world should be that way it's safer for you. Does that make sense as a child? So with those children, they start to be influenced really quickly by their mom's fear. And now I'm not saying that their father's fear doesn't influence them, it does, but there is this um, this relationship that happens and can be passed, right? So I've seen that happen at a very young age. And does that get, can that get stronger? Yes, absolutely. What's lovely is we have this little reprieve that happens in the late teens, early 20s, when we start to question the world, okay? And we start to rebel. Because we're thinking to ourselves, hmm, was what I taught, was what I believed, what I was taught, does that make sense to me? Is there a better way? Like we kind of expand in that time period, right? When we go to university or college or whatever it is that we're doing and we're traveling or whatnot and we're starting to explore different ideas that we had. And then when we get to our mid-20s and we start to come into the working world, there's a contraction where identity starts to come in again because we're supposed to be responsible, adult. We take on the roles of responsibility and as a result, also many of the identity patterns that are in the culture of being responsible, successful, whatever it is that you think that you want, right? We take that on as part of our identity. So if you want to be part of this corporation or this team or this project, this is kind of how we act. This is kind of how we dress. This is kind of how we, you know. And so, okay, would you like to be part of this? Yes. And so if you step on that bus, then all of a sudden, oh, Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And then a few years down the road, you look in the mirror and you go, whoa, what happened? Yes, Yeah. exactly. And because we have this rigidity that's created by the mind, it's not real. I just want to, okay, I know that we're very vested in protecting it as if we are, which raises an interesting question. What are you protecting? Like, what are we protecting by being so rigid about our identity and having other people challenge our thoughts? Now, I'm not saying you have to agree with all those things, right, that are around you. I'm not suggesting that. But are you, are you do you have the flexibility to open up and listen? And just, I'm not saying you need to change your identity, but do, is your identity broad enough, malleable enough, like, is it so rigid that you can't take in other ideas? Or is your identity loose enough because you're not so attached mm -hmm. to who you are, because you are more neutral, that you can actually be with other ideas? I'm not suggesting you have to take them all in as something that is yours. I'm saying just be with them. That's all. And right now, we see with this polarization, very much a lack of that ability because people are very vested in attaching to what's right, what's wrong. Okay, it doesn't matter what side you're on. The other side's wrong. And I'm correct. Like it just, it's, yeah. it's happening right now in our world. And so what's lovely about frequency work is that as you release your distortion patterns and as you become less and less attached to what the external world means in terms of your completeness, your validation, how you feel as a person, right? That starts to liberate you because your identity becomes less important and you start to watch and you think, wow, I believed that. And so it's interesting to watch your own yeah. patterns around your own identity. And as you do more and more frequency work, it's kind of funny. Like I often laugh at myself, right? I'm just like, oh, it's kind of hilarious that I <laughs> got triggered around this or I thought that or whatever. I took that so seriously. It just becomes kind of funny because, I mean, what is that? That's just a construct of the mind. Yeah. So I think uh, the point that you made is when you do start the frequency work, mm -hmm. um, I think you better be open to take a look at your identity. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's very subtle, yeah. but because guess what? Things are going to change. Yes. And chances are that's the reason you start the work. Yes, exactly. But then the changes start. Yes. And it's like, whoa, Nellie Bell. <laughs> you know, and so, but that is the work that you do. Yes, exactly. It catalyzes that. And of course, um, it's a responsibility of person is receiving the work, but it can be really liberating because you, we have all these patterns running through us that inform our identity that we're not even aware of, right? They're so fundamental to us that we assume that they're real. Like it's just part of who we are. And when I release those patterns from people, what's interesting is sometimes they be, they're very, even if it doesn't serve them, they can be very attached to them. Mm. For example, like, um, Part of somebody's identity could be like, I have to struggle really hard in order to have success. Okay, it's part of my identity. It makes me sort of like, you know, proud of who I am because I have to struggle really hard. And therefore, they have like victim patterns running through them a little bit, right? Because they have to struggle a little bit. They're a little bit of the martyr. Like, I have to struggle, oh, for me, in order to get anything anyway, right? So it becomes part of their identity. And when you remove that from them, then it's almost like, uh, destabilizing to some degree and I, that sounds scary but it's like whoa wait a minute if I don't have to struggle what does that mean for my world how, how does that change how I perceive it so and it's funny because even though they want to be liberated from that struggle they're also attached to it because it's what they're familiar with it's part of what they've known for a really long time and so as I've always mentioned part of the detox process is how quickly can you let go of these things that you have thought were you 
for a very long time. Because are they really you? Do you really want them? Can you? Can there be something better? And the, my answer is yes, absolutely. Because the more that we surrender to higher self, pure source, what happens then is magnificent things can happen because we're not limited by the distortion patterns, what our mind perceives to be true, and that type of thing, which then opens us up to so many more possibilities, so many more opportunities, so much more magic than what is constrained by the mental construct of who we are. And so I think you hit it there, is our ability to let go mm-hmm. will kind of determine our success as far as how quickly things come about. Yeah. Start to change, start yeah. to happen. Yes. And so, yeah. Yeah. And to be, yeah, it's that letting go. And I had to tell go, you, letting go, letting go. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. that can be, it sounds yeah. like it's so easy. Just let go. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I come, to, really, you, I come really to you with this identity. You know, I've been working on this for, you know, 30, yeah. 40, 50, 60 years. years. And now you're saying, oh, let go. It's like, <laughs> Screw you. Yeah. It's like, what some are people you, get really angry. What are you talking? I'll bet you do pick up some like, oh, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Hey, so, slow down. Yeah. Some people get afraid and some people get yeah. really angry. And some people find it very joy. And what happens is the more they do, it actually becomes joyful because (laughs) they're like oh my god I can't believe I had that and I just want to get you know like let's just release that more because what happens when I release that is that my world starts to change in a way that I couldn't even imagine because the people I attract who I interact with the 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 circumstances that kind of shift around me because now who I think I am is so much more open and not attached like neutral that you're in a state of wonder so therefore you don't miss stuff that you would have otherwise because you were in the sort of narrow band of like focus of who you thought you were it's it's almost like breaking out of the prison of the mind yes you know i've created this yeah and this is where my safety and security is yeah and then all of a sudden you know i start this frequency work and just boom yeah that expansion yeah it's like wow yeah so totally yeah and i would say that it's a constant process of release okay i don't feel like again many people believe it's like you reach a certain point and then you're done you can you can stop whenever you want okay so just let me make that clear and i've noticed that to my chagrin sometimes there there are deeper and deeper layers of surrender that are required and in order to progress on spirit level you must it is required that you release your identity of who you think you are it is required you cannot get beyond a certain point and i know this because i've i've hit the wall with it okay the ceiling personally myself and in order to transcend that ceiling let's just say it literally was a ceiling that i was smacking into on spirit level i had to release who i thought i was which is terribly scary i'm not suggesting this is easy yeah. Yeah. it can be terrifying yeah. Yeah. okay and it's like okay well am i willing to let go of who karen is like for real and oh my god what does that mean and so i had to like cry a bit and so on right um (laughs) to to process all that out and then finally i was like yeah i'm ready to surrender and then all of a sudden so much opened up for me because i really was at that point where i i made that choice to surrender at that level and of course since then there have been other layers of surrender in terms of who I thought I was. And here's a really good indicator of your identity and how strong you, you, it is and so on. Watch how people trigger you, mm-hmm. right? 
um, of course, people still trigger me, you know. And it's I, but what's different now is I find it kind of fascinating. So they trigger me, and I'm like, right, right. I'm human, right. I Look have that this. reaction, yeah. yeah, of like, oh, I'm such a jerk, and I can't believe they disrespected me, and I'm like, blah blah blah, right. Yeah. And then about a few minutes later, I'm like laughing because I think it's hilarious that I've taken it serious so seriously, and I think, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right. So now that I've gotten my panties in a bunch here, yeah. what's going on? Okay, yeah. what, what's the pattern? What, what, what triggered What triggered it? Where's yeah. the thing? Okay, because obviously I got upset. <laughs> so there's Clearly. something in there. There's something in that there. That I'm attached to yep. that I don't <laughs> want people meddling with. Exactly. You know, yeah. so. So yeah. that's a really good indicator. Um, so what I would say about that. And you will have an identity. I mean, it's not like that. I mean, you're human. You're individuated. You're still, yeah. Of course you're going to have an identity, right? Yeah. But I'm saying... I'm talking about our attachment to our identity and how much are you willing to in the moment be like, okay, this is who I am right now. And also what I will say is as you do frequency work, it will happen to you on days you're like, I have no idea who I am anymore. I just, I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And that for some people, the first time that you experience it, it it's kind of scary, honestly. Because you're kind of wandering around, you're like, I don't freaking know who I am anymore. It's a void. Yeah, and you just, it's kind of disorienting. Yeah. And then it's kind of amazing. You become like, the more you experience that, you're kind of like, whoa, I don't know who I am anymore. That's kind of cool. Because it's freedom, do you see? Yeah. In the face of freedom, oftentimes, when the first time we experience freedom, it can be really scary because we don't know what freedom is. Yeah. But the more you experience it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. you, you just said something there very profound. Huh. We truly don't know what freedom is. Yeah, often. Because we've spent all of our energy building this identity. Yeah. And uh, like yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. Yeah. The door's open. Yeah, exactly. You know? What's possible? Yeah. Who knows? And that's what I mean by I don't know who I am. Yeah. And and I truly mean that. Like I can't tell what I like, yeah. what I don't like. Like I just can't tell. And that in a way is really awesome because your likes and your dislikes are very much associated with your identity. So if you can't really tell what you like and you don't like, then oftentimes that's a really good measure because you're like, I, I don't I don't actually really know. <laughs> or I don't it doesn't matter to me. I could like this in this moment and then I won't next moment. That's fine too. So I don't think we better stop there because people picture you sitting on a park bench, you uh -huh. know, and just like nothingness. And so that <laughs> that can be part of the process. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is what what follows uh -huh. is amazing. Yeah. So um yeah, so it's not like you stay in that period, just yeah, to reframe what you just exactly. said. So it's it's not like you stay in that, like, I have no idea who I am forever, yeah. right? Zombie. Yeah, you're in a zombie and you lose your mind and now you're completely nothing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm not suggesting that. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. You stay in that for a little bit and then there's a rediscovery and then you realize that your identity is something that's more fluid than you thought and can be, is something that you're less attached to and then to watch it because it sometimes is an indication of something that you're trying to attach to. Yeah. Like that's a, it's like a, like a, a control mechanism from yourself, right? To yeah. try and keep things safe for the self. So it's, the self is kind of interesting, right? This is as you were talking about um, even before we started filming about the ego mind, which we're not going to get the ego, which we're not going to get into. That's a whole other thing, but it can be a way of the ego establishing itself. Yes. So in any case, the um, mind is or the identity is a good measure 
of where you are mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of how neutral are you truly Okay, where are you truly in your neutrality? How attached are you to being a certain way and that other people need to be a certain way? It's a really good benchmark for that, I found. What, what I found from a personal standpoint is so you come to the table mm-hmm. and I come with this belief system mm-hmm. and your cage gets rattled yeah. and you have to start releasing some of these beliefs because, mm, and then, but what you want to do is attach on to a new belief. Yes. And so all you've done is replace this belief system with this belief system. And I think what you're saying is the true measure is you don't have any. Can I stay open? Yes, exactly. And it's funny because um, people will often ask me, like, what's right, what's wrong, or they want me to stake behind something. Yeah. And I'm like, they're all kind of valid, actually. You get to a point where the expressions are all valid expressions. They are. They're being expressed. I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but they're all valid from a higher level. So can you just be with that without having a charge around it, right? Like I said, you don't have to agree with it and take it in, but can you be with it, which is hard for most of us, right? So I think um, that's an important exercise. And the thing is, the wonderful, as I say, I keep saying this, the more you release your distortion patterns, the more neutrality you have, the easier this becomes. It sounds really hard, because it is. If you do this just with your mind, this is almost impossible, honestly. However, as a result of the frequency work, this is not a thinking thing. This is a frequency thing, which then informs what it is that you think you think and what you think you feel, (laughs) which is really cool. It changes all that stuff and who we think we are. And neither you or anyone else Mm -hmm. can tell me Mm -hmm. what that new look, that new identity, that Mm -hmm. new sense of being will look like. No, well, I I won't. (laughs) No, because that's, that's, you talk about the magic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, but that's like, wow. Uh So, yeah. Karen, extremely fascinating. Thank you very much. Thank you. Karen, could you help me? I hear so often when I look at uh, your video or your website, GFC. Exactly what is that? A GFC is a group frequency calibration, which looks a lot like a guided meditation on a particular topic. And what I'm doing is I'm helping you to remove the distortion patterns of that particular topic. And because you're coming together as a mastermind in a group to connect to pure source even more and to clear the distortion patterns of this particular topic, what happens is a tremendous amount of momentum starts to happen because of the energetic of the entire group. And each individual is able to move faster and ascend higher than they could have on their own. Because I'm working on the frequency level, these GFCs are not like regular meditations, and many people find they go into varying degrees of altered state. So please do not drive while listening to this GFC. Welcome everyone to the group frequency calibration on identity. What does it mean to be you? Scanning the group for a second here. All right. So this group frequency calibration will start to help you 
release the parts of identity that no longer serve you. Okay, so there are things that we believe to be true about ourselves that we hang on to, sometimes that don't always serve us. All right, so that's what this GFC will help to facilitate is more awareness of what you think your identity is, and then facilitate the release of what does not serve you. So here we go, becoming aware, please, of your body. Now it's very important to become aware of your body because our identity is a mental construct. Okay, In addition to the result of distortion patterns that run through us. So the more in the body you are, the more in present time you can be, and therefore you can be more fluid and more open and more adaptable as opposed to confined to only what your persona believes is appropriate, true, etc. Okay? Or even possible. So as you become aware of your body, becoming aware, please, of what your backs of your knees are touching. So that's very specific. Are they touching themselves, meaning their skin because you're sitting cross-legged? Feeling the fabric of clothing, perhaps, or upholstery? Or the sheets if you're lying down, or the carpet, the floor? And it may be the air. Whatever it is, becoming aware of what the back's of your knees are touching. Good. And now please become aware of the relative position of your feet. Are they always in this position when you meditate, if you've done this many times before? Or are they always in this position when you sit, stand, or lie down? Just notice if you've even never noticed the position of your feet. Good. And now please become aware of your breath. If you have followed this work for a while, You'll notice I always call your attention to your breath. Your breath is very important, and that is why it is the foundation of many, many practices. Okay, So your breath is important because it helps you really anchor into the present moment, because it's an internal movement, and it's so fundamental to us, and often it is unconscious. The more conscious we are of our breath, the more present we can become. So bringing your attention to your breath without changing it, just noticing the quality, the speed, the rhythm of your breath. And when you have noticed what it is in this moment without judging it, just noticing it, taking this opportunity now to deepen it, to slow it, to allow it to take up even more room. 
allowing your chest and your upper back to expand as you inhale. and contract as you exhale. And notice if your breath can drop not only into your chest, but into your belly. Good. And now becoming aware of your surroundings. And as you become aware of your surroundings, becoming aware of the soundscape around you. So in addition to the sound of my voice, becoming aware of the soundscape on my end, And on your end, noticing the sounds around you, especially if you're wearing AirPods or earbuds or headphones. Notice if you can expand your hearing to beyond what's immediately over your ears or in your ears. Okay. It could be the hum of a fan. or floorboards creaking as somebody walks somewhere. Perhaps you have a window open and you can hear the sound from the street. Or perhaps birds singing. Whatever it is, bringing your awareness to a further scope than what you might ordinarily perceive. And now blinking your eyes open, please notice the quality of the light. Some of you can do this without opening your eyes. So if you can feel the quality of the light without physically opening your eyes, go ahead and do that. If you need to open your eyes, go ahead and do that. Neither is better. They're just different. Noticing the quality of the light, whatever that means to you. We often take it for granted. It's just there. We're really noticing it. Good. And now please triangulate. For those of you that are new, triangulation simply means identifying three inanimate objects in the space around you. It doesn't matter what they are. And then noticing the distance between object A and U and then object B and U, and then object C and U. And you'll find that as you do this, your own sense of where you are in space becomes more present or more firm 
or you're just aware of it more in some way. Good. For those of you who are very practiced, this should take you a couple of seconds. And if you're already complete, bringing your attention to your heart space, breathing normally, And, and as you have your attention in your heart space, not your physical heart, but your heart space in the center of your chest, in your nipple line, we're going to take a nice big breath here. And at the very top of your inhale, you're going to hold for a count of four. And then on the exhale, releasing all the air out of your lungs and holding your breath out for a count of five. And whenever you've completed that breath, becoming aware again of your heart space and also the front of your throat. Breathing normally when you get here. What I'm waiting for is for the mastermind to coalesce or become coherent. For those of you who are new, please note that I am working on you at the group and the subgroup level and that I'll be making noises on my end. So you'll likely hear me exhale or yawn or even hum. And that's how I remove the distortion patterns at this time. And I'm working more and more in silence. So if you don't hear me, please note that I am still working on you. Good. As another note, if I say something that resonates, please know that that is likely yours. And if I say something where you really resist, like you, you can't, couldn't possibly be you that I'm referring to, then chances are it's probably yours. And so I encourage you to stay open and to examine it. Good. So here we are in the heart space still and in the front of the throat. And now let's go ahead, since the mastermind has coalesced, and ask ourselves the following question. How can I become even more aware of my connection only to pure source? And as you ask that question, please become aware of the space at the very center of your body. And as you become aware of this space, becoming aware of or imagining a brilliance at its very center that begins to intensify because you have your attention on it. Now, for those of you who are more seasoned, please go ahead and do the next steps. For those of you who are new, please keep your attention on that brilliance. And as it intensifies, it's going to expand outwards through all of your cells, out through your organs, through your bone structure, radiating out through your flesh, your muscles, and ultimately out of the pores of your skin, 
into the space between your physical body and the outer perimeter of your spirit body, which is a sphere at arm's length all around you. Very nice. And now become aware even more of the brilliance within the sphere. And as you become aware of this brilliance, notice if the sphere begins to oscillate or to shake from side to side, or if it even starts to spin. Neither of these is better. It's just different. It may be that your sphere stays stationary. Just notice if there is any movement in the sphere. And now become aware, please, of the space all around the sphere. And as you become aware of this infinite space, I'm working on you at spirit level to increase your frequency resonance, which is important for this session to be as effective as possible. And since you can't yet come to this level on your own, It helps you to entrain to your future possibility. Now bringing your attention, please, to your upper ribs and to your heart space in the center of your chest. So your upper ribs are between your heart space and your collarbones. Yeah. So the first thing we're going to do is give you space between you and your identity so you can see it better. You can become more aware of it as sort of more separate from you as opposed to something that's just part of you. Okay, so you'll just become more aware of it in the coming days.
what you believe to be you. Your beliefs, your conclusions, your thoughts, your emotions, your pain, your stories, all that stuff that you think is you. releasing from the heart space this distortion pattern of attachment to who we think we are. Some of us spend a very long time trying to find our identity. And then when we find it, we're very vested in hanging on to it, which makes sense given that it takes some period of time to create it. However, this attachment to keeping it static or to knowing what it is does not allow for the maximum forward momentum. Okay, It has a tendency to stagnate things and hold it in space and time, unmoving, which doesn't allow for uh, growth or change. So releasing this Yeah. And now becoming aware, please, of the space between the back of your heart and your spine. So what I've been releasing is the stories other people have of you that you've adopted as your identity. Okay, so that's what I've been releasing. From this space between behind your heart and your spine. You'll start to become aware of how other people perceive you sometimes becomes your identity, even though it may or may not be accurate. Good. Becoming aware, please, now of the vertebrae in the back of your neck and also your spine right behind your heart space.
So releasing this fear, this unease or discomfort around releasing our identity. This is very scary to us. Okay, we don't know what we, we don't know what identity is and who are we. We like to have that defined. It makes us feel stable. So I'm not suggesting that you need to lose your marbles. Okay. Simply examine the parts of your identity that are simply inherited from lineage, other people's stories, or other sources that you no longer wish to keep. For a small subgroup of you, you don't really want to look and see where your identity is. You're a little bit afraid of it because you're afraid of what you're going to see. So releasing that as well, so you can at least observe. bringing your attention, please, to your solar plexus. And your heart space. Yep. Creating distinction between your distortion patterns that are running through you and who you truly are. There is a difference. What I mean by who you truly are is your essence on spirit level. Okay. This will become clear as you release more of these distortion patterns. Very good. Bring your attention now, please, to your xiphoid process and about three inches directly beneath it towards your belly button. We're clearing out, resetting, and integrating the pain body. Good. This brings us to the end of this session. I look forward to working with you on the next GFC. These GFCs help people release distortion patterns. It's my sincere hope 
that you benefit profoundly from this series, which is why I spend so much of my personal resources creating these as my gift to the world. If a GFC topic resonates with you, often more work that can be provided in this one GFC is needed to really clear or loosen deeply held distortion patterns in areas that are sticky. Because these patterns are like layers of an onion, usually there are multiple layers to individual topics. Depending on how much of a challenge this topic is for you, it may make sense for you to go deeper than what this session allows. If you feel this is the case for you, please visit sphericalluminosity.com for more targeted support.